front of a preaching series that we're starting through the book of Proverbs, as Tom shared. And last week, uh, Bill introduced us to this series. And so we are going to follow that suit. And tonight, today, this morning, we're going to talk about discipline in parenting. And so Proverbs is a very practical book. Uh, and, and today is as practical as it gets for some of us. And if you're saying, well, I've, I've been there and done that, that's okay. I think this is highly practical for grandparents as well to implement to their grandchildren. Uh, and others, if you're, if you're a kid out here, uh, listen up and do what you're told. There's your application. Now, there's many things in the scriptures that, that we get exposed to, and we wonder, how is this going to apply to my life? And I think God, God doesn't waste any of that. So you may be in a position or a situation to walk alongside someone, uh, I know oftentimes my wife and I or people in our season of life question and poll uh, adults, older people who have gone through this parenting deal. And, and it's funny how very, most of the time they say, yeah, you know, you just kind of get through it. And I don't know if it's a conspiracy that says, hey, we had to figure this all out. I'm not going to give you any tips. Uh, but it, it seems like you, you go and you seek for wisdom and, and you just don't get a lot. Um, so anyway, I think God will show you how this is applicable to your life, whether you are a parent or specifically, and, and maybe more importantly, as his son or daughter, how his heart of discipline is towards you as God, as our Father. Uh, quickly, I think it's also important to recognize the Proverbs, I feel like, uh, in the Scriptures, so they are divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit written by men, but this is God's word breathed to us, just like the rest of, of the scriptures. Uh, however, some scripture is narrative that's basically telling a story, and a lot of times there's principle to be taken from that if it's in agreement with the full context of scripture. Some scripture is very instructive, um, and Proverbs is, is kind of a combination of, of each here, where uh, when the Bible says there is one God and there is no other God, to me that is a absolute that reigns from the beginning to end that you can take regardless of circumstance or situation. Now there's other pieces of scripture that you have to consider circumstance and situation in order to know how it's applicable. And I think the Proverbs fall into that grid where we need to make sure we, ad we approach these things or apply these things to life in the proper situation. So keep that in mind throughout this series. Uh, as we read through the Proverbs, and again, it's not to take anything away from them being the inspired word of God, uh, but God has a context for all that he has done in his word. Uh, we're going to start reading Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. It says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And Proverbs 29, 15, and 17 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give, you, he will give delight to your heart. Now, as we go into this, I really do want to pray for us because I think uh, this, is, this is an area that I really want God to illuminate in my life. I want God to illuminate in your life. And again, deciding on how we apply this to our, our specific season of life. And recognizing that parenting can be one of those things that uh, some days I love it, some days I'm delighted and honored in the responsibility, and some days it's just a ton of fun, and other days I hate it. 
the process and the hard work that it takes. And, and so I find myself incredibly frustrated at other times and I find myself incredibly joyous at, at one time. And sometimes those moments are like three seconds in between, right? <laughs> they, they just, they, it changes very quickly. Uh, it's also one of those areas that I think we're highly sensitive to because it's so personal where I might get up here and, and talk about uh, God's stewardship of money and you think, okay, okay. But anytime you talk about parenting, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a dangerous situation because it's so practical and I'm going to try to be pretty direct today and give some practical advice. It's easy for us to put ourselves in this camp or that camp or say, oh yes, I do that or no, I don't do that. And so through that grid, it's very easy to be offended. It's very easy to get defensive. It's very easy to feel like a failure, uh, to feel guilt and to feel shame. And so I, I don't want any of that. And so if you guys would, join, join my heart uh, in prayer before the Father. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your direction. I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you that we haven't been left alone to try to figure out life, uh, especially the high responsibility of, of parenting or the high responsibility of coming underneath you as our parent. God, I stand against the devil and the things that he would bring to us, all those things that I just mentioned, whether it's guilt, shame, uh, divisiveness, condemnation, defensiveness, God, I pray that you would create uh, a spirit of unity. And as Tom prayed, we just trust your Holy Spirit to do its ministry, to give us understanding, to speak through us, to hear for us, and that you would bring glory to yourself. And God, as much as all of this, I really do pray for a heart of love. That as we listen, it would be in love to you. That as I speak, it would be in love for these people here and, and the children in our congregation. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, through, throughout my time thinking through this and preparing for this, I'm, I'm drawing from all kinds of different sources. Uh, one, first and foremost, being, being the Proverbs. And there are roughly ten different Proverbs specific, very direct, about parenting. And so when God reiterates something so often, I think he's saying, hey, I want to impress something on your heart. Uh, the other is just observations that I have uh, through our culture and through our world that I observe in the parent-child relationship. Uh, and then the other is just my experience, either as a father or as a son, uh, figuring out, okay, here's, here's my experience to this. And so, uh, and then lastly, we have uh, Boomer Roland is our children's ministry director. And so he is an awesome resource. I think he's at Halawasa right now, but, but the guy is an awesome resource. He's got a real heart for family dynamic. Uh, and so I've had many conversations with him, and I've gleaned a lot of wisdom from him. And today I, I'm going to try my best to use a lot of his lingo, a lot of his language and his terms, which he gets a lot from the National Coalition of Biblical Parenting. He's, uh, he's trained in that. And so just to, to continue with congruency within our church and what you're hearing, I'll do my best to use, to use some of his, his language here. Uh, very helpful for me when I, when I think through, you know, you, you first have your first kid and you say, okay, here we go, how do I, how do I initiate parenting here? Um, and one of the things that was most helpful to me up front, foundational, was to differentiate between punishment and discipline. Those pieces of scripture that we read had the term discipline in them, and we'll read more that have the term discipline in them. Punishment, I think, generally involves 
righting wrong. So it, it, its key player is justice. And God is a just God. And so when there is wrong that needs dealt with for justice to take place, that is punishment. So we see this often in, in our legal system. Uh, uh, the extreme example of this would be the, the death penalty. We see this in the Levitical law, where there is a wrong, and it needs to be punished for justice sake and for the safety and love of other people, and so we implement punishment. Discipline is different. Discipline has to do more with the heart and behavior of the individual that has wronged. So it has more to do with training, more to do with instructing. So when I discipline my son or my daughter, it is for the purpose of producing something, not simply for justice sake. And I think that's, that's been very helpful and very important for me to think through the grid of what my motivation and what my heart is in this area. You'll also see this difference hugely in God's relationship with his children. So, so bear that in mind. We're going to read Hebrews 12:7. I think Mike might throw her on the board here for us. That pulls this out. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But the Father disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. So the first point would be the heart and attitude behind discipline is to teach and to train. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, it will not depart from him. So I see four, four motives here, four heart and attitudes behind this that we just read uh, through the scriptures here. One, it's for the child's good, or it is for my good coming from the Father. Two, it says it, it helps us share in holiness. It says that we will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So discipline ought to be for the child's good. It ought to be for righteousness, and it comes out of a heart of love, and as you saw in the scripture says, it's for those who we delight in. And so though discipline up front and on face value is kind of a, a harsh topic, when you, when you recognize what's behind it and what's underneath it and the motivation, it's a beautiful thing. It's a very good thing. Proverbs 3.11, we're going to just keep throwing scriptures at you. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. To reiterate, in the moment, at the time, discipline seems weary and seems hard and seems unpleasant. But if I can remember when I'm walking through this with God, that he is refining me, he is producing, he's doing something in me, then I can embrace it with, with submissiveness, and I never get to the point of, of defiance to him because why are you doing this to me? Uh, questioning his goodness. And when I can do that with the father, I think it's that much easier to make sure I apply that with my children or the, the kids in Sunday school or the, 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 as teachers, your students, 
as coaches, your players, or whatever situation you have, uh, it's a great heart check for me to say, why am I getting ready to engage in discipline? Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from shale. Because I see a couple things that go on in our culture. I'm well aware of the abuse uh, physical, emotional, mental, in the name of discipline. I'm well aware of the wounds that many of us have uh, in the name of discipline, and most of the time it, it felt a lot more like punishment. And so we have a lot of uh, sensitivity in that area, and there's some horrible, horrible things that take place uh, with this stamp on it. And then you swing the pendulum on the other side, and, and because of that, perhaps, maybe a response, uh, I'm well aware of how often we don't discipline in our society. And many times, if it's not uh, a parent or child, your, your hands are tied, right? Uh, things that took place in the schools in the past or on the, the practice field in the past could never fly today. And again, a lot of those are for good reasons, to protect uh, innocence. Uh, but it seems like it's hard to find that middle ground, right? And so oftentimes... Uh, in, the, in the name of love, we don't engage or we withhold the proper form of discipline at the proper time. And if we don't discipline our young ones at the proper time, uh, God will discipline us later. And these situations are observed. Many of you can, can give testimony to this where when we, when we don't love our children enough to do the hard work of consistent, diligent, as Scripture says, discipline, when that child is... 15, 16 years old, there is hell to pay. And you reap the consequence of some of that. The child reaps the consequence of not putting in the hard work when they're young. And for the next three years, you just pray hard, you hold on, you endure, and you do everything possible just to survive. And then it usually takes two or three years to, they're out of the house, and then you just pray and pray and pray and pray. But it, it, it's too late at that moment. And then if God is gracious and good, oftentimes, maybe three, four, five years, or they're 22, 23, God wins their heart. There's, there's redemption. Uh, there's reconciliation between parent and child. But man, we, we've all seen in a test that 15 to 18, uh, that, is, that is a miserable time. And again, it's, it's awesome that God takes those things and redeems those things, but, but my experience in observing this is and I'm sure many of you guys could just march right up here and say, yep, this was me, or yep, this is what I did, or yep, this is my, my sibling. Um, man, I would love to avoid that, that moment. And so this is huge on my heart. We got all these kids in this church. Most of them are at, you know, Halawasa or spread out. Uh, but this is one of those things that I think we need to do well, and I think we need to take serious. And as a, as a parent, uh, I, need, I need guidance. I need help. Um, and so come alongside with me to, to engage in this. Now, to discuss, how do we know what's appropriate? How do we know how to go about um, implementing discipline? There's different methods to discipline. One is natural consequences. You just let the natural consequences run their course, and sometimes that is by far the greatest teacher. You recognize in your life this is true. Uh, it's also true in the young people's lives. If my 16-year-old gets a speeding ticket, uh, maybe they don't need a lecture. Maybe they just need to make sure they pay it. Uh, the flip side of this is enabling, right? 
where either we come and we rescue and we save and, and there's, there's no discipline done, there's no training done, uh, or uh, some of us have a tendency, the natural consequences have already taken their place, the lesson has already been learned, and I am going to sit her down for a 40-minute discussion on this, <laughs> right? Uh, another, another option, another method would be spanking. Uh, another method would be adding responsibilities or chores, taking away privileges. These are things like, okay, you use, lose your electronics for two days, you know, things like that. Uh, or, uh, this, is a, this is a boomerism, uh, take a break. So this is the idea that you need removed from the situation, right? Uh, I remember sitting on the hamper when I was little, freaking out. There's a spot that I had to go. Uh, and in some moments, I got other, other consequences here. Uh, but in some, that was it. And oftentimes, that's used. We might talk more about this later. We'll see time. But oftentimes, that's used when it's not just overt uh, defiance, but you just feel this whininess or this bad attitude, and you just recognize something needs to change, okay? Okay, so we're going to jump right to the hard hitter, spanking. When is spanking required? So we've read over twice now already, it talks about the rod. And we're going to talk about, does that mean just my voice and sternness? Does that mean an actual rod? Does that mean spoon? What does that mean? Um, remember, the purpose of discipline is to train. And when God approaches us in discipline, I think he only uses what's necessary to train. He uses the means necessary to get the point across. So if a look will do that to my son, and I see attitude change, behavior change, heart change, that's all I need. If a short conversation does that, that's all I need. But many, many, many times, that is not all you need. Many times that doesn't work. And so in my life, God tries to get my attention. If I don't listen, he uses another form. If I don't listen, he uses another form. And he won't compromise my heart. He won't compromise my holiness for the sake of just, eh, it makes him uncomfortable. He loves me too much for that. And I am called to do the same with my children. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs 19.25 says, Strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. I think this proverb gives us a lot of insight into what discipline to use. So strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. So let's define scoffer, because again, this helps me decide if some, some spanking needs to be involved or not. Okay, a scoffer is one who mocks or ridicules basically authority in this situation. It's a disagreeable person, an unpleasant person. A scoffer is one who not only disagrees with an idea, but he or she also considers himself the ambassador of the opposing idea. Sound like any of our kids? The other one, she said, oh, not too good. And so as we were talking, she said, the, the, the boys aren't taking me seriously. The boys were being scoffers. They were mocking and defying and setting themselves in a disagreeable posture against their authority. In those moments, the boys were scoffers. Little note, I think all one to five-year-olds are scoffers. <laughs> Give or take on either side, but my experience is they all fit into that model, right? Some more than others and some seasons more than others. 
Proverbs 29, 19. Listen to this. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined. For though he understands, he will not respond. The reason that I think disciplining properly and according to Scripture is so important is because I think it minimizes the authority's anger. Where if I continue to ask my son or my daughter something and they continue to disobey and I continue to ask and continue to ask, a couple things are going to happen. One, I'm either just going to let them win that battle and let them win the next battle. And then once the battles get a little more intense, at 15 or 16, you are done. Or I, I ask and I ask and I ask and I ask and then they argue and I argue back and they argue and I argue back and now I am insanely frustrated and I am angry. And I start to act in that anger and then that creates division between my son and I or my daughter and I because now I'm yelling or now I'm throwing things. And anger and heightened states of emotion does nothing for unity, right? And at that point, if they're angry, especially as they get older, there is no training taking place. All they can think is defend or be heard, and that's all I can think. And so I believe to do this in a proper and biblical situation and state, it, keeps, it prevents that anger and it promotes unity and harmony in the relationship. I believe spanking is magical. And this is the, the one to five situation. Uh, my youngest son, Brogan, he's not here today. He's at the second service. I'll give you a demonstration if you want to stick around. But when he, uh, when, when he has just kind of an attitude and he's being disagreeable, he's scoffing, he's defiant, and there's just stuff isn't, isn't clicking right. Now, this is different than just straight-up defiance. And he, I recognize, ooh, I'm getting close to entering into a power struggle which this is the arguing, the match. Power struggle is always the parent's fault. A power struggle is always my fault. And you think, well, how can that be? The kid should obey. I'm the parent. I allowed it to get there. If Brogan continues to push back and I say, son, here's your choices. I said we're not going to watch another episode. And if you ask again, here's your discipline. I don't have to elevate. I might talk harshly, but my heart doesn't have to be angry. And if he makes the choice to say, I just want to watch this again, he's made his choice. Whether it be a spanking or, or whatever the necessary action is there. See how it, it, his attitude changes completely. And he gets his swat, and I hug him. Sometimes he hugs back, sometimes he doesn't. And then he leaves, and in 32 seconds, he's a totally different kid. This is an absolute gift from God. Proverbs 19, 18, it says, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. So in, in, in spanking or whatever discipline that I am engaged in, uh, again, this scripture says, uh, Put to death the behavior, not the child. And when I don't discipline early and how I ought to, pretty soon I start to have animosity towards my child. Pretty too soon I start to have anger towards my child. And those are the moments where now I want to inflict pain, but it's not to remove discipline. It's because he's making me mad. Right? So the intent behind even physical spankings is not to inflict death to the child. It's to stop the behavior. 
if you don't discipline, again, it will lead to death or it will lead to the child's destruction, Scripture says. Proverbs 20.30 says, Blows that wound, cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. Proverbs 22.15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So time and time and time and time again, God says, Nick, as a parent, you are going to have to discipline your child. And if you don't, destruction will come. And so that's something that we have to heed. And again, I realize situations are so different. Kids are so different. Each one of your kids, each one of my four kids are so vastly different that I need, I need help. I need to bring this and bathe this in prayer. I need to ask and consult my wife. You need to ask and consult people like Boomer, uh, the people that say, here's the situation, here's what I'm going through, uh, what is appropriate. But the reason I throw all of these scriptures on here is because I think God gives us so many answers that we choose not to look at. A couple, a couple things that, that help. Um, a couple myths that I want to push up against here. You oftentimes hear, hey, don't be your kid's friend, be their parent. And I think you can be both. I think the Bible calls me to be a parent first and a friend second. But I, I think I, if I am doing a good job being a parent, I can also be their friend. Now, there are certain situations they won't consider me a friend, right? But this goes back to the heart of God. God, I think, is interested in my happiness, but not at the compromise of my holiness, right? So he says, holiness first, then happiness. I believe that proper discipline at the right time, biblically, you can have both. You can promote the holiness, but you can be your child's friend. You can get along and have great relationship. Now, lest we think uh, I'm sitting here just being a tyrant over our kids, uh, though we are authority over our kids, uh, many times I think we're called to listen to our kids, but not too much. Proverbs 18, 2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but in only expressing his opinion. This is, this is to us people of authority. There's oftentimes all we're doing is giving our opinion, giving our opinion, giving our opinion, and we don't hear our children at all. In verse 13 it says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. How many times do we do this? We don't know the situation, but we're just sick of it, and so pff, it's too much work to do anything else, so we just, we just enforce discipline. And most of the time when we do it that way, the discipline is simply just a shout, right? Or yelling. And so I think we're called to listen to our kids. I think we're called, we're, we're allowed to give them reasons for why we do what we do and to give, allow them to make their defenses. But again, we have to be careful with that. So in, in my house, um, they can have their appeals and their appeals, they get one. So if I say, hey, you need to do this before that, and they say, but dad, you know, here's why I would like to do that before this, I'll hear them out. And a lot of times they have good reasons. And then I need to be humble enough to say, you're right. Okay, I'll let you do that. But if they go twice or three times or four times, that becomes arguing in my house. And so if that's the case, not happening anymore. How many of you remember this? Why? Because I said so. <laughs> right? Okay, I think, I think it's important that parents do hold the trump card. I think, I think that is a play in, in parenting. One of the things that it teaches is that our, our children need to know uh, how to come underneath authority even when it doesn't make sense to them. Just like I need to know how to come underneath Father even when his plan doesn't make sense to me. So there is, I uh, trust you, 
and so I will come underneath you without you having to explain it all. And so I think there's definite training that takes place with the because I said so. My seven-year-old doesn't have to understand all of the reasons why he can't that I'm doing something. But at the same time, don't overuse the card. Because if that's the case, if that's my answer every time, I'm teaching my kids how to comply, but I'm not changing their heart at all. And if I can allow them, and if I can give them reasons, like here's why I don't want you to take that. Or here's why when I call your name, I want you to pause the tablet and come listen to me. Because scripture talks about selflessness, and that other people are important. And so what you're doing isn't the center of the earth. So if I can explain some of this to them and allow them to have that conversation, now I'm taking my biblical values and I'm giving them an opportunity to adopt them themselves, right? Now it's not just comply until they're 18. It's, okay, maybe this can work itself into their heart where they realize you shouldn't lie because you are created in the image of the living God and he is truth. That's why you shouldn't lie. So you have the trump card because I said so. But also I think it's valuable to listen to your kids, to have the conversation with your kids. A couple quick things. I think as we, we're going to take communion in a little bit here. Uh, but I think through my relationship with my sons and my relationship with my daughters, if I think through my relationship with, with the young people that I coach, and if I think through my relationship with, with my mom and dad, uh, when I know that there is a heart of love, when I, when I know and as an authority, I have continued to minister and affirm and encourage and acknowledge good and build trust and exemplify and model those things in my life, then to enact some harsh discipline or some firm conversation, it, does not, it, it doesn't compromise that. And so time and time and time again, the everyday grind is to continue to build up, to continue to affirm, to continue to speak truth, so it allows you to have these no's in place when they're required. And in that, I, I can say I, I got a lot of discipline as a kid. Tom shared it a few weeks ago on stage. Uh, but never, never once did I question, man, I don't know if Tom loves me. No, I don't know if mom or dad loves me. Because over and over and over, they continued to prove that. And so I knew if harshness was coming, if a paddle was coming, I can't remember what you did, Tom. Maybe just pick me up. Uh, if those things were coming, at the time, I didn't understand that. But boy, I'm thankful now. And hopefully, if you enact this in a positive and a good way, your kids are going to turn out even better than me. Let's, let's pray for that, huh? <laughs> but we're getting ready to take communion. And the, the beauty about this is... Yeah, Tom, you want to come up for the song? Um, yeah, this is how it's done. Uh, God, God says in his scriptures that he, is, he has allowed us the opportunity to be his sons and his daughters. God calls himself Father. He says that for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we can call out and we have the right to call out Abba, Father, Daddy, where I can approach him as his son, adopted into his family, a legitimate heir to all that is his. And communion is our opportunity 
to remember that that place in the father's family came at a cost. At the blood of his son Jesus Christ, at the destruction of his body. So he instructs us, he says, I love and I delight in you, son. And it's good that you remember the grace that was poured out on you. It was good that you remember the cost for your sonship, for this relationship. And so, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, as these guys play, just come up and help yourself to the drink and the bread and go back to your seats and thank God for his sacrifice that you can say, thank you, Father, that you hear me. And if you haven't done that, this, this, I would hold off because this is not a reflection of what's true about you. But if you have done that, celebrate that right now and remember what the Father has done for us. Just on your own, come up when you, when you feel led.
for your love that started it all, Father. Let us go out and declare that you are here. Amen. Don't forget about the church meeting. If you want to come right after next service, and it's usually the gathering place where you go.